Well, good evening, First Norfolk. We're so glad to uh, begin this week uh, taking time to read Scripture together as we follow along in the Machine reading plan. I hope that you have spent some time reading uh, through uh, Genesis and uh, Ezra and Matthew and the book of Acts. Uh, today, as we pick up on our studies through the psalm, I want to encourage you to turn to Psalm 56. While you're turning to Psalm 56, uh, let's just take a moment and let's consider what it is that God would have us to do and to be as part of this family of faith. Make no mistake, the mission of our church has not changed. We continue to press forward to uh, can, uh, to share the good news of God's rescuing love to those who are around us, uh, those in the seven cities of Hampton Roads, and even around the world. Uh, we must continue to press into this new day, and it is a new day. Uh, with all the restrictions that we have, uh, we've had to get a little bit more creative in days uh, in these days, 2020 and 2021. Uh, as we march forward to fulfill God's mission. Uh, part of that uh, creativity leads us to the scattered church. I want to encourage you uh, to begin praying right now. How can we reach the uh, hundreds and thousands of people uh, that normally attend with us each week, uh, but who have not and continue to not gather with us? Uh, for whatever reason, we need to reach them. We need to continue to provide church for them. So Scattered Church, this microsite strategy where we have congregations of First Norfolk scattered throughout the seven cities, uh, uh, comprised of uh, congregations of 10 to 50 people, led by uh, pastors who have been trained and equipped in our church, led in worship uh, together through song. Uh, we want to do all that we can to uh, uh, to accomplish this aspect of our mission of the scattered church. That means that you need to be involved. You, you need to consider what it is that God would have you do, how he would have you participate in scattered church. If you have questions about that or you have, uh, uh, you, you have an interest in that, I want to encourage you to uh, email pastor at firstnorfolk.org. Let us know that you're considering this or you're praying about it, you have questions about it, and uh, Tim Whitney, one of the pastors of our church, will be in touch with you uh, to give you more information and let you know next step. Scattered church is so vital. Uh, in the days ahead, we're going to hear from church planters. Uh, these are church plants that we as a church have partnered together with uh, to share the good news of God's rescuing love uh, to those in different places in our world. Uh, some of these are in New York City or Northern Virginia or Montreal uh, or uh, uh, Quebec City or uh, even Ottawa. Uh, over into Edmonton. Uh, some of these are in the Philippines or in Malawi or Vietnam, other places where God has uh, called us and challenged us to share the good news of his rescuing love. In the days ahead, you're going to hear reports from uh, these church planters so that you might gain a, uh, an insight and a vision of what God is doing through First Norfolk. Uh, 
Thirdly, I want to encourage you to share your faith with others. You know, there are people, just this past week, I've had the privilege of sharing the gospel with two individuals, uh, sharing the good news of how that God in His grace has provided forgiveness for sin and the opportunity to be part of His family through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, I am stuck most of the time in a church setting, but I found two opportunities that God made available to me uh, to share this good news. I want to encourage you to open your eyes and to pray every single day, God, give me someone with whom I can share this good news. If you begin to pray that, I can promise you that God will use that prayer to open your eyes and open the doors for you to share the gospel. This is perhaps the greatest tool that God gives us in making disciples among the peoples, among the nations. And so I want to encourage you to pray right now, how can God use me this week to share the gospel with others? And then finally, every time we gather together as the people called First Norfolk, uh, for over 200 years we have practiced uh, participation in God's uh, worship, in worship of God, through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And so I want to encourage you to give your tithes and offerings. You can give uh, by going to our mobile app or to go online, or you can mail in your tithe or offering uh, so that God's mission may be continued. And more importantly, so that through worship, you might demonstrate giving your tithes and offerings as an act of worship. You might demonstrate your delight in God, your devotion to God, and your dependence upon God. Well, Psalm 56 is a continuation. We're continuing step-by-step, book-by-book through Psalms here on Wednesday nights. And this week we're looking at Psalm 56, which is similar to Psalm 55 and will be similar to Psalm 57 in the setting and the context and in the subject matter uh, that it addresses. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Uh, What causes you to be afraid? Uh, It may be spiders uh, or cockroaches. It may be worms. Uh, It may be lions and tigers and bears. Uh, It may be the uh, civil unrest that we find in our American setting, or it may be uh, the circumstances of your job and the difficulties that you're facing. It may be health. It, It may be your health that is causing you to fear. But Uh, As we look at Psalm 56, we find uh, that God answers the question of what we should do when we are afraid. Psalm 56 is a setting uh, described in the title. It's a setting in which David was uh, captured by the Philistines, the king of Gath. And David was running from Saul and he was trying to find a way not to confront Saul. That, that was one of the important uh, bedrock principles in his life, that even though Saul was seeking to kill him, he would not confront Saul. He would not go to battle with Saul. And so Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, we find that Saul is chasing David down, and David flees in verse 10, 1 Samuel 21, 10. Daniel flees uh, to uh, the kingdom of Gath, 
and that was the Philistines. Now remember about David, David had done battle with the Philistines, so much so that the people of Israel sang their songs of praise and said, Saul has killed his thousands of Philistines, but David has killed tens of thousands of Philistines. So when David approached Gath, it wasn't with great comfort. It was uh, with great trepidation, but he was in, a, uh, in between a rock and a hard place. He, didn't, he, he, he couldn't uh, confront Saul, so he had to run away, and the only place uh, that was secure for him to run away was to the people of Gath, the Philistines. Uh, in, Psalm, uh, in 1 Samuel 21, it says that uh, David uh, understood his position in the kingdom of Gath, and he was very afraid. Uh, he was afraid because he had uh, done battle with the Philistines and won great battles, um, and now uh, he was running as a fugitive from his homeland, from the king uh, that he had served. He's running as a fugitive, and now he was in the arms of the Philistines. And, and the question was, what would happen to him now? Uh, as you read 1 Samuel 21, verses 10 through 15, you find that David uh, decided that he would act like a crazy man, that he would act like an insane person uh, in order not to be um, uh, executed by the king of Gath. Uh, but he was very afraid. That's what caused him fear. What is it that causes you fear today? Um, as we look at Psalm 56, God provides an answer to you in the face of your fears. When I am afraid, I will match each fear with trust in God. That's the big picture of Psalm 56. With each moment that I am afraid, I will answer that fear with an outcry uh, of confidence in God. Are you confident in God? Do you trust in Him? Uh, in Psalm 56, we find that fear and trust in God walk side by side, but when we as followers of Jesus put our trust in God, our trust in Him will always conquer our fears. doesn't mean the fear goes away. Uh, it just means that we find courage in the face of our fear. So as we look at Psalm 56, uh, and when we are afraid, we match every fear with trust in God. Let's journey through this psalm together and see how to trust God uh, in the face of our fears. The first thing we discover is we need to begin with a plea to God's grace. Grace is a word that is used throughout all the Scripture to uh, describe God's rescuing work in the history of humanity. Uh, from the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 to Revelation, it is God's grace uh, by which He inclines Himself to you and me in an act of mercy to provide rescue for us. Uh, it is this picture of God's grace that we celebrate uh, when we think about Jesus. Jesus is the supreme picture of God's grace. Uh, grace in the Hebrew sense means to incline or stoop over or to bend over in an act of kindness. Uh, that is exactly what God did uh, in the incarnation of Jesus when uh, God became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, Jesus is God. He has always been God, but He has come to rescue us. The, he Himself is a picture of God's grace. 
And God's grace comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ, not only in that he is with us, but that he died for us. And Jesus, who lived perfectly, went to the cross as the perfect payment for our sin's debt. Jesus died on a cross for you and for me, uh, to purchase forgiveness for you and for me. Uh, In this great exchange of God's grace, we who are sinful, uh, who are uh, outside the covenant of promise with God, who are outside the family of God, we who are sinful because of our sin deserve nothing but punishment. Uh, We deserve an eternity of devastation and destruction described by hell. But God in His grace provides Jesus for us. Jesus who never sinned, who was perfect in every way, Jesus went to a cross to take our sin upon himself. And when he died, he was paying the price tag for your sin and mine so that our lives might experience forgiveness of sin. And Jesus died for us on a cross. He was buried. He was raised from the dead to give us a life of victory over sin, death, and hell. And it's through that wonderful transaction of grace uh, where uh, God made him, this is 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf so that, the result of that, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is grace. So when we face the fears of our everyday life as followers of Jesus, we begin with a plea to this grace. That's exactly what David did in verses 1 and 2. Listen to David's cry. He says, be merciful. Now, merciful there in other translations is gracious. Uh, It is hanane, which literally means grace to you. He says, be gracious to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day, for there are many who fight against me, O Most High. When we are afraid, we must remember God's glorious grace that rescued us. Just as Noah found favor or grace with God in Genesis chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, we see that we have found grace or favor with God. In the person of Jesus Christ, we've been brought into God's family so that now we are under the covenant of God. He has committed himself to us so that even when all day long people are hounding us and trying to uh, uh, devour us, when people are uh, seeking to trample our dreams and devour our, our, our uh, future, uh, God in his grace, the grace that has rescued us from our sin's debt, is also the grace that sustains us and strengthens us in the face of our fears. And those fears are real. And, 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 and really, in Psalm 56, we hear a little bit about fear, but a lot about trust in God, uh, mainly because David pleads 
to God, makes his plea to God's grace. God in his grace, out of kindness for us, stretches out to us in love. And even in our circumstances, for David it was enemies, it was the Philistines, or it was Saul. Uh, it was the enemies that were attacking him, but for you and me it may be different. It may not be people that are hounding us and trampling after us and, and, and chasing after us to uh, devastate us. It, it may be our circumstances. It may be uh, the, uh, the uh, metaphorical lions and tigers and bears around us. But regardless, the name of our enemy, the name of the Most High is stronger. It's more powerful. Um, when we plea, make our plea to God's grace, we find strength there. It is God's grace that has brought us into His family, and as a loving Father, He determines uh, to hold us close to Himself, to protect us, to guard us. Next week, we're going to look at Psalm 57, where it literally says that God uh, shelters us under the shadow of His wings. This is the picture of God's grace. So today, when you are afraid, when I am afraid, begin with a plea to God's grace. God has brought me into his family. God, you brought me into, into your family. I belong to you through faith in Jesus Christ. I am part of your family. So now, will you, based upon our relationship, based upon the covenant loyalty that I have to you and you to me, will you now answer my fears with faith. Uh, we, uh, we match our fears with faith when we, uh, when we begin with a plea uh, to God's grace. We turn our focus on God's grace. His grace is greater than all our sin. His grace is greater than all our enemies. His grace is greater than all of our circumstances. God himself, the Most High, is with us. So, Oh, God, be merciful to me. Uh, we begin with a plea to God's grace. Secondly, we turn to God's Word. Uh, we, uh, we match each fear with, God's, uh, with trust in God when we uh, make our plea to God's grace and when we turn to God's wor Word. Uh, we deal with fear by trusting God. We activate trust in God by turning to his word. Look at verses 3 and 4. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. Uh, what a beautiful picture of what God's Word does for us. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says that these things were written so that uh, through the comfort and, and instruction of Scripture, you and I might have hope. God's Word is the instrument He uses to remind us of who He is and what He's promised and how we can be settled in life, regardless our circumstances or the enemies that are hounding us. You know, we can find uh, confidence, trust, security. In Psalm 119, and I just want to kind of uh, run through Psalm 119. We'll get there, and, and uh, perhaps by the end of this year, we'll get to Psalm 119. 
Uh, But when we turn to God's Word, we find courage to live courageously, even in the face of our fears. Now, Psalm 119 tells us what God's Word does. Psalm 119, verse 1, God's Word is the instruction that He gives us to lead us to blessing in life. Verse 18 tells us that God's Word reveals wondrous things about the life that we're living so that we don't have to live in the pessimism of our circumstances, but the optimism of being part of God's family in the midst of our circumstances. Verse 22, uh, God's Word removes condemnation uh, because it leads us along the true path. Verse 24, God's Word is the counselor that guards and guides our steps. Verse 29, This is all Psalm 119, verse 29. God's Word gives us life built on truth rather than the lie. Verse 51, 53, 55, 61, verse 70 and 92. God's Word is the rock to which we cling when the proud laugh, when the wicked attack, when the night is dark, and when the evil seems to win. Verse 77, God's Word opens the way to God's compassion and loyal love. Verse 95, God's Word leads to deliverance from wicked intentions. Psalm Psalm 119 verse 142 says that God's Word is absolute truth. Verse 165 says that God's Word is the source of a fulfilled life and a safe path through life. Verse 174 says that God's Word leads us to salvation. When we are afraid, rather than focusing on how big our enemies are, we need to focus on how big our God is. And God's Word shows us how big God is. Uh, No one can overcome uh, the one who places their lives in the hands who is the great overcomer. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in God. When fears knock at my door, I'll let God answer it. Today, what causes you to fear? Turn to God's Word and find the promise of His Word sustaining your soul and giving you hope, confidence, courage in the face of your fears. So we begin with a plea to God's grace. Secondly, we turn to God's Word. And then third, we remember that God is for us. When enemies lurk in the bushes to ambush us, we can confidently walk forward in faith. Why? Because God is for us. Look at verses 5 through 11. All day they twist my words. By the way, let me just kind of refresh your memory in verses 1 through 5. Uh, No less than five times is uh, the attack of the enemy described as all day. That means it's persistent. And it seems overwhelming, but uh, we need not fear because we're trusting in God. And we remember that God is for us. So verse 5, all day they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together. They hide. They mark my steps. When they lie in wait for my life, uh, uh, shall they escape by iniquity in anger? Cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings. Now, listen to this. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not written in your book? When I cry out to you, 
then my enemies will turn back. This I know, because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will pray, uh, uh, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? When the struggle is real and the fear seems overwhelming, God takes note. And in compassion, he responds. Listen, this picture of God taking our tears and putting them in a bottle, that's real. That's not some metaphorical imagination of the psalmist. That is real. God takes note of your suffering, your struggle, your pain, your sorrow, your grief. And God collects those tears so that he might number them. And so that he might um, move on your behalf. And God is for you. God's not against you. And God is for you. And God is for you in this life. As you and I, listen, as you and I pursue his glory above all things, as you and I pursue his uh, honor uh, above all things, as you and I pursue his will, his purpose, his mission. God walks alongside us and he collects the tears that we have cried and he holds our hand and he walks with us. When I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. Today, do you realize that God is for you? Even now that he is for you, he's for you. Now, it doesn't mean that every path that we walk, he's going to approve. I've got four daughters, and not every decision that they've ever made uh, was a decision that I would get on board with. Sometimes they made decisions that were inconsistent uh, with uh, uh, what I believed would lead to a blessed life in the same way uh, as a son to my mom and dad. There were uh, decisions that I made that were inconsistent with a blessed life, they would not always get on board with the path that I walked. That, that, that is uh, uh, an aspect of, uh, of our parents being for us. They, they are for our good and not for our harm. Um, sometimes that means correction. Sometimes that means discipline. In the same way, God who is for us is not going to sit idly by while we make decisions based upon sin. Uh, He's not going to sit idly by and just let us live any way we want to live. No, God is going to correct us and he is going to discipline us because he's for us. But when we're walking through this life, pursuing God's glory and honor, living our life in concert with his will, and we face the enemies that hound us and trample us and uh, uh, plotting evil things, lurking in the, in the shadows, in the shrubs, seeking to uh, ambush us, even in those settings. Uh, God is there to protect and preserve us. God is there to compassionately care for us. God is there uh, to give us strength 
beyond our enemies so that we might be victorious. That's what Paul was getting at in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who then can stand against us? If God is for us, what can man or flesh do to me? God is El Elyon. He is the God most high. He is the commander of the, uh, uh, of the angel armies. Everything that God is, he applies uh, to my life as I seek to pursue his honor and fame. Today, we can count on the compassion of God and the tender heart of God and the love of God uh, to make its way into our everyday life so that we live victorious. We need to remember that God is for us. For if he who did not spare his own son... Uh, so that you and I might have forgiveness of our sin, will he uh, who didn't spare Jesus but rather gave him up as, as a sacrifice and an offering for us all, will he not freely give us all the good things that, that make for a blessed life? We need to remember that God is for us. So when we turn our eyes away from our fear and focus our heart's affection and our mind's attention upon the one who loves us and is for us, then, then we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Today, what are you going to do with your fears? As the psalmist concludes, verses 12 and 13, he says this, he says, "'Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God.'" I will render praises to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? When you and I commit our lives to God in trust, when we match each fear with faith in God, we get a new perspective. When we commit our lives to God in trust, a new life begins. We no longer live on the edge of destruction. We now live in the light of life, surrendered to the Lord of the living. So today, will you praise him? Will you praise him with your whole heart? Will you praise him? Will you praise him and sing the song of celebration because he is with you and he is for you? And, and will you give yourself and cling to the promises of God found in his word? Will you look to his grace, which has saved you, but also sustained you in everyday life? When I am afraid, I will trust in God. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he bless your coming in and your going out. And may he give you faith in the face of your fears. God bless you and good night.